previously on Capital Punishment. North Dakota Attorney General Wayne Stendrum was lying in the front entryway of his home in central Bismarck. An officer attempted to find a pulse but could not. Stendrum was not breathing. At 7 p.m. on Friday, January 28, 2022, nearly 12 hours after first responders arrived at his home, the office of the Attorney General released a statement that Wayne Stendrum had died. Well, I mean, he was found basically at death's door if, if he wasn't already dead. Could he have had a heart attack? Uh, sure. But there's, there's nothing specific in those reports that would say yay or nay to that. The last time I saw Wayne Stengem, he didn't look good. I don't know if he was unhappy. I, You know, they're using words like the flu. I don't know. I, I do know this, Tyler. I'm not ready to take these folks for their word anymore. I think that they've earned that level of scrutiny because when they c- come out as they did on that date, in that time, and lie, and you've seen a pattern of other cover-ups, there's a lot of work to be done to try to build up a trust, and I don't know that it happens anytime soon. The other part to all this is had he died at home, had he been been pronounced dead at home, there automatically would have had to have been an autopsy. I'm Paul Jerkins, the news director at KFGO, and this is Capital Punishment. How did Wayne Stengem's best friend, Ray Holmberg, get on the radar of federal agents, and what was he being investigated for? The case starts in the middle of the night. It was February 9th, 2019, sometime after 2 a.m., in the dead of winter in Grand Forks. The temperature was 21 below. A landscaping and snow removal company, Team Lawn, was working to clear driveways and sidewalks outside Holmberg's home. According to Nicholas DeRosier, one of the two men who had co-owned Team Lawn since 2013, he and his business partner, Robert Coons, had been working much of the night in the frigid cold and had nearly finished. Coons, who was 61 years old at the time, got into the bucket of the skid steer loader DeRosier was driving to ride back to their truck, something DeRosier later told police Coons had done a hundred times before. DeRosier said he saw Coons fall out of the bucket while he was driving back, tried to stop but wasn't able to, and ran over Coons. Then he told police he immediately backed up, apparently running Coons over a second time. DeRosier said he tried to call 911 right away, but his phone battery was dead. He had to go to his truck and charge the phone before making the call. It's unclear how long it took between when DeRosier ran Coons over in the skid steer and when he called 911. Grand Forks police officer Cody Holty was dispatched to the scene at 3.05 a.m. He noted in his report that DeRosier had apparently tried to stop the bleeding from Coons' head by wrapping a pair of gray sweatpants around the wound. Holty said when he removed the sweatpants, he could see blood pouring out of Coons' head and brain matter on the ground. Holty took Kuhn's pulse and did not find one. He started chest compressions and got no response. The fire department arrived and relieved Holty. Kuhn's was pronounced dead at 3.15 a.m. The coroner was called. An investigation into Kuhn's death was conducted. DeRosier was found to be operating a vehicle while he had a suspended license, but no other charges were filed. Kuhn's wasn't married and didn't have any children. His sister, who lived in Grand Forks, was notified of his death. 32-year-old Nicholas DeRosier was now the sole owner of Team Lawn. A Grand Forks police detective had coincidentally been investigating Team Lawn for nearly a month prior. Police received a cyber tip from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in January of 2019, just weeks prior to Kuhn's death, related to a phone number associated with Team Lawn. 
Detective Jennifer Freeman was working with federal agents on obtaining additional records from the phone number via a subpoena when the skid steer loader incident happened, but her investigation into the cyber tip dried up months later and Grand Forks police declared it inactive. Team Lawn's troubles were not over, though. That summer, in June of 2019, a complaint was filed with the Consumer Protection Division of Attorney General Stenjum's office. Peril Grossman is the director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. The Consumer Protection Antitrust Division was investigating uh, Nick DeRozier doing business as Team Lawn and then later as GPHQ and I think Vaughn Construction or possibly several other business names for construction fraud, which is essentially part of consumer fraud. And that uh, was a result of him engaging in, you know, uh, unlicensed contracting activity and uh, taking deposits and allegedly not providing the services or the landscaping contracting work or any other work that he did uh, after having received advance payments. In December of 2019, a Grand Forks resident contacted police to tell them that a check she wrote to her landscapers more than a year ago had just been illegally cashed. That's when local police found out about Stenjum's office injunction against Team Lawn, but it wasn't until the summer of 2020 that they went to Holmberg's neighborhood after another resident called to complain about the company and found that indeed Team Lawn was doing work on a number of residences in the condo association there including Holmberg's home, despite the injunction. Police confirmed Team Lawn had not received any city permits for the work. He also spoke with frustrated employees of the company who said they were owed back pay by the company's owner, Nicholas DeRozier. That was enough for Grand Forks police to be able to secure a warrant to subpoena financial records for Team Lawn, the headquarters of which was located in DeRozier's home, a home was previously owned by Robert Coons before his death. Which brings us to September 15th of 2020, when police went to DeRozier's home with warrants. He wasn't home, but some other people were there, housemates of DeRozier's. Unprompted, the people told officers that DeRozier had child porn on his computer. The officer seized all of the electronic devices, which could hold financial data from the house, for the search warrant. Midway through the search, DeRozier showed up at the house. He was on the phone when he arrived. Investigators later testified that DeRozier was speaking with someone from Attorney General Stenjum's office and attempting to set up a meeting to address the injunction against his company. The investigators testified that DeRozier offered up a date in October for the meeting to take place when he said his ride would be going to Bismarck. That ride, DeRozier made sure to tell the Attorney General's office was from his friend, the powerful Republican Senator Holmberg, who needed to be in Bismarck for a hearing that day anyway. When the raid was complete, the electronics were brought back to the police department for analysis. Investigators found the child porn right away. A second warrant was obtained based on the belief that DeRozier possessed child sexual abuse material, and a second investigation into DeRozier was launched. Less than a month later, DeRozier met with Wayne Stenjum's Consumer Protection Division to discuss the injunction against Team Lawn in Bismarck. His promise to hitch the ride for the nearly four-hour trip with Senator Holmberg who was headed to Bismarck for an Interim Energy Development and Transmission Committee hearing. For more, we turn to host of News and Views, Joel Heitkamp, and host of Afternoons Live, Tyler Axness. It didn't surprise me, Tyler, when I found out that Ray Holmberg involved Wayne Stenjum with this Drozier case. It didn't surprise me one bit. The... Uh... The, the thing that stood out to me is then after the reporting, and make no mistake, this was done by fate and by being at the right place at the right time of our news team. 
uh, to catch wind that as this investigation was ongoing, that DeRozier was overheard in that moment when you have law enforcement there saying, uh, basically, I'm going to get Ray Holmberg to drive me out to Wayne Stendrum's office. The fact that you got a the most powerful state lawmaker in the entire state of North Dakota being a chauffeur for somebody that was being investigated, not just for uh, some of the abuse in the contract world, but abuse of minors and children sexually abusing, uh, that is something that raises a red flag. And that is something that when, when Ray's saying the text messages that were also just caught by chance, uh, that it was about landscaping and other stuff. What the hell is other stuff? That's something we need to know more about. But this is not a normal thing. You served out there. I served out there. We've worked with constituents over and over. Medicaid, uh, Veterans Affairs, whatever it might be. Not once, I'm assuming, did you offer to drive that individual out to Bismarck. Well, and I think it's fair to say if this was anyone else other than the powerful Wayne Stengem, the powerful Ray Holmberg, would the general public be asking for more information we asked Perel Grossman if the Attorney General's office was aware of Ray Holmberg's involvement in the teen lawn case. Yes, and at, at some point, and I couldn't, I even tried to kind of quickly determine that yesterday. I couldn't say exactly when that was, uh, but we became aware that he was one of the consumers for whom DeRozier was allegedly doing contracting and, and uh, you know, with Leafy charged uh, Ray Holmberg for those services, and we don't know the status of whether those were completed or not. So, yes, I, I would say we were aware that he was a customer of Nick DeRozier, and that was certainly the whole extent of the Consumer Protection Division's knowledge of any relationship between the two. Perel Grossman said it was normal for Attorney General Stengem to be involved with this sort of case. Yes, you know, he would. And it, it always, it varied um, case by case. But I would say if I probably talked to him between two and four times regarding this case, and, and that might even been more than usual just because it went on so long. And I don't generally recall that it would have, those discussions would have necessarily even just focused on this case. In November, DeRozier was charged with construction fraud in state court. A plea deal led to a fateful 10-day stint in the Grand Forks County Jail in August of 2021. While he was serving his brief sentence, DeRozier paid to use the jail's text messaging service, during which he exchanged over 70 texts with Holmberg. Three months later, in November of 2021, federal agents and Grand Forks police detectives raided Holmberg's home and seized his electronics. Attorney General Stedgem, the state's chief law enforcement officer, was briefed on the investigation into Holmberg by federal prosecutors because his Bureau of Criminal Investigation was assisting. The following month, Nicholas DeRozier was arrested and charged in federal court with possession and distribution of child sexual abuse materials. At his detention hearing, prosecutors referred to the text messages the defendant had exchanged with Holmberg from jail. They didn't identify him, though. He was described only as a man in his late 70s who lives in Grand Forks. But it wasn't all bleak for Holmberg. The Grand Forks Herald named him 2021 Person of the Year that December, citing his skill with securing unprecedented levels of funding for his home district as the state's chief appropriator. Governor Burgum called Holmberg a true statesman who treated people with dignity and respect, a treasure of the legislature. 
When he announced that in March, he would retire after his term was up, ending a storied 46-year career, a chorus of elected and community leaders saying his praises. But the audulation was short-lived, and things started unraveling fast for Holmberg after Stenjum died in January of 2022. That April, the forum reported about his text with jailed sexual predator Nicholas DeRozier, and Holmberg resigned immediately as chair of legislative management. But political and legal pressures continued to mount, and he was forced to resign before completing his term. The raid of his home and seizure of his electronic devices by Homeland Security agents became public. The man of the year was being investigated by the feds. Things quieted down then, and many legislators believed that the lack of any charges being filed against Holmberg meant he had been cleared. Then in September of 2023, Nicholas DeRozier pleaded guilty to federal charges of possession and distribution of child sexual abuse material after losing his bid to suppress the evidence collected during the construction fraud search. And at the end of October of last year, Holmberg was arrested in Grand Forks. He was indicted by a federal grand jury for traveling internationally to have sex with minors and for possession of child sexual abuse material. He pleaded not guilty in a Fargo courtroom. More from Tyler Axness and Joel Heitkamp. Working in the Senate with Ray Holmberg uh, at the time, now of course this is after many, many sessions that he's been out there, uh, you can tell that he wielded a lot of influence. I mean, anything that was talking about dollars, even things that weren't necessarily talking about dollars had to go through Ray because he was the point guy. Uh, what was telling to me is not all of that was done up front. Not all that was done at a committee hearing. Some of it was negotiated behind closed doors with that same powerful inner circle that determined who was getting what and how much. And a lot of it was going based on, if you get my back, I'll get your back. And I think that approach, as we see now, carries a lot of, I think, the legacy of Ray Holmberg. See, and, and in my time there, that was uh, just the transition I was there the first session after the Democrats had lost control, which they had for eight years. And so Gary Nelson became the majority leader. Gary Nelson's man, when it came to appropriations, was Dave Nothing. And uh, Dave Nothing ruled it with an iron fist. Ray Holmberg was his vice chair. Ray didn't like Dave. Dave didn't like Ray. It was a, it was a compromise between the two caucuses inside a caucus. And when Gary Nelson was taken out as leader, then it was Bob Stenjum. Wayne's brother that became leader, which meant that Ray Holmberg now was chairman of appropriations. Again, Stenjum, Holmberg, Stenjum, Holmberg. And uh, Ray in the beginning was somebody that all sides could come and talk to and try to get legislation through. But, uh, you know, there was always something about Ray and he called on me to help him more than, than once with, with issues that he saw that were going to cause trouble for him. Uh, but the truth is, you know, Ray had these demons that he tried to hold, you know, to the chest. You talk about Ray being uh, an individual that pretty much anybody could have come to a uh, Democrat Republican as far as getting things done goes. And I think there's a lot of merit to that because it was one of those hotly contested things. And of course, it was between Al Carlson at the time being the House Majority Leader. And uh, on the Senate side, when it comes to legislative management, determining who's going to be that legislative management chair. And after it was all said and done, Democrats in the Senate made a deal with Ray. House members that were Democrats made a deal that they would vote to get Ray Holmberg to be the legislative management chair because it was seen politically better an option than Al Carlson at that time. 
And, and it cut, was for you, And right? it was, because he cut the deal saying, okay, if you give me this, we'll let you have, as minority members, chairmanships. And he held to his word there. Uh, when it comes to the, the personal side, and you still hear this now, because you heard it in Jerry Klein in a comment during a hearing just uh, within the last year, uh, less than uh, several months after it was known that Ray Holmberg had been arrested for going to Prague to solicit sex for minors, to rape minors, that the approach is, well, that's Ray being Ray. When Jerry Klein cracks a joke about how much money it's going to cost to fund a program that is equal to three trips to Prague, that attitude, not as direct at the time, but it seemed as though people knew that something in Ray's personal life was there. I don't think anybody knew to this extent that we know now. No, they just knew that he had a blank check. Yeah. They knew that Ray did, and and I go back to the relationship between Bob, Wayne, Ray. Bob Stengem was never the leader of the Senate. Everything went through Wayne and Ray. Everything went through Wayne and Ray. Everybody knew that. Frank Gasper is the founder and principal of Gasper Investigations, LLC, a private investigation firm based in New York, Minnesota, Illinois, and North Dakota, and a former FBI investigator. When somebody gets indicted, from the, my experience, over my 25 years, both, and I did cases all over the country, not only in North Dakota, New York, but I had places, uh, cases in Florida and in Arizona. So I had experience around the country is that when people get indicted, uh, indicted in a federal case, there's more than enough, more, enough evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the person is, has committed the crime that they've been charged with. An attorney for the Department of Justice's main branch in Washington, D.C., one of the country's top experts on child sex trafficking and abuse, is sitting at the table for the prosecution among those representing the government in the case. Over the course of the next day or so, the details of Holmberg's international travel came to light, and it ignites a firestorm within legislative circles about state-funded travel, sweetheart deals for powerful legislators, and who knew about what Ray Holmberg was really doing when he traveled on the taxpayer's dime to places like Prague for the explicit purpose of raping a minor. That's next time on Capital Punishment. Capital Punishment is a KFGO News Radio production is hosted by me, Paul Jurgens, created by Tasha Carvel and Eric Johnson, written by Tasha Carvel and Tyler Axness, produced by Eric Johnson and Dabby Miller, with contributions from Jewel Heitkamp and Tyler Axness.